Welcome, everyone, to the Take Control of Your Health podcast. This is Dr. Mercola bringing you the latest cutting-edge interviews to help you achieve optimal health. You can receive more information by subscribing to my free daily newsletter at Mercola.com. Because you won't find us on Google or Facebook, we respect your privacy and will continue to fight the Silicon Valley censorship. Thank you so much for listening. So let's get started with this week's latest program to help you and your family take control of your health. Welcome everyone. This is Dr. Mercola helping you take control of your health. And today we have a real treat. We are joined by Dr. Peter Martoni, who is in Boston and is a innovative chiropractor, really uh, developing some incredible techniques for helping understand proper cervical posture in the spine and some really good strategies to make sure that you don't have degenerative disc disease. I first met Peter, oh, maybe 10 years ago. It's a long time ago. He's, we have mutual friends in Patrick and Tempo um, and uh, met him at an event and then about Four years ago now, he confronted me at, at, at a, another event that we were attending together. Uh, and he said, you know, your cervical spine, you're hunched over, you got problems. And he, he, he provided such a compelling story that I flew up to his office in Boston. And actually, yeah, this, is, this was a few years ago. Was that when I was at your office? That was, that was at, at my house. Oh, at your house, okay. Yeah, so, so I flew up to his office in Boston and then you can see the picture there. Uh, when I, when, and he did some digital x-rays on my spine and actually showed a pretty significant cervical degeneration, the fifth and sixth vertebra. Uh, and then he prescribed some treatments, uh, which unfortunately you have to do on a regular basis. I mean, it's not, it's not like a one adjustment and you're fixed for life. It's a, it's a pretty, uh, consistent intervention for many, many months and even years. So I'll let him discuss that, but it was, it's an intriguing approach. And then he also has some other components about sleep. So there's a lot of things we're going to talk about today. And I'm just glad that uh, we've connected and he can share his wisdom with you today. So welcome and thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Dr. Mercola. I, um, I am so excited to be able to share this in front of the audience. I mean, I'll tell you, you have been such a, such a um, inspiration in my life and uh, in so many. So I uh, really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, one of the things I appreciate about you is your incredible sense of humor. Uh, so I enjoy about Peter. It's always uh, we're always laughing when we're, to get, we're together. So uh, he's he's got a great ability to inspire humor, which is uh, an unusual commodity. So uh, why not why don't you start how uh, you're sharing your story and how you develop this insight that really uh, I guess in my view puts you at sort of the head of the class with respect to understanding the cervical anatomy and really uh, providing some innovative therapies to improve it that is quite different than than most traditional chiropractors so I, um, I so I'm an exercise physiologist uh, nutritionist and a chiropractor and my background is I, I always loved kinesiology I love the study of biomechanics and I'll never forget, there was a time when I was the only chiropractor ever um, invited to um, Harvard Medical School to give continuing education credits for their, for their MDs. And I was young in practice. I got, I got brought up on stage and I was talking about chiropractic. And I, I knew a lot about chiropractic at that time. I knew about the structure. I just didn't know how to communicate it as well. So I, um, so, you know, I, in all intents and purposes, I got tore apart, right? It was, uh, it was a great learning experience for me. So from that point on, I said, you know what, I need to dive in. I, I know what, what I'm doing is right. And, and based on having all that, that um, information, I need to find anchors. I need to find anchors where you can't argue. It's almost like gravity. If you drop something and it falls, it's, I mean, if you drop something, it's going to fall. That's a law. So I started thinking in law, right? So how does the body work? The writing reflex, your body follows where your eyes go. Um, Wolf's law, if you don't use it, you lose it. Davis's law, if you don't stress the tissue, you lose the tissue. 
And then in thinking in these ways, I started seeing contradiction in all of my studies. So exercise physiology would, it would, would, would uh, contradict the, the uh, law of saying that muscles is the problem. Then it would contradict the chiropractic thing saying you just need to mobilize things. And then what I did is I, I started to put this um, philosophy together or maybe this understanding together based on the same information that I was doing. And, and then I started seeing patterns. And the more that I was, I, I, I started opening up my eyes to new patterns, the more I started understanding them. And I've been in practice now for 20 years and done over 750,000 adjustments. And I have really, I believe in the stuff that I'm so excited to share with your audience, some of the things that I found and some of the simple things that you can do to help reverse chronic pain, degeneration. I mean, there's so many different things. Well, let's go for it because I'm, right. I'm sure everyone watching this is eager to find out what the what you found. Well, so the the first thing is is we have to understand if uh, so what causes degeneration and what causes arthritic changes. First off, and the body, like I said, if you don't use it, you lose it. So if I put my arm in a cast and I keep it in a cast for five years, the body will adapt because the body, if it's alive, will adapt. And it's going to adapt saying, listen, if you're not going to use that joint because it's in the cast, what are you going to do? You're going to lose it. So it degenerates the joint. Unless you have blood flow restriction bands and you're using that therapy. Well, actually, that's <laughs> temporary. If you kept it on long term, you get ischemia on the other end. But that is absolutely true. Um, so the body adapts to what this, the consistent stresses that are on it over a long period of time. So, so then you, um, you, you take that lack of motion and you apply it. You put a support on, and if you keep a support on something, the body doesn't need to do it anymore. It will get rid of the joint space. So then how do you regenerate that degeneration? Well, you take the cast off. So what, what happens is, is what that tells us is lack of motion causes degeneration and restoring motion causes regeneration. So when I look at somebody's x-rays, like let's say we look at an x-ray like this, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you're going to be able to see that, but there's good space here. And then right here, you have lack of space. That lack of space is due to some intersegmental damage to that area that caused scar tissue. And there's no coincidence that that intersegmental damage always happens at C5, C6, because it's the most flexion extension. It has the most flexion extension in the spine. So damage- And, and just for those who, who are not familiar with anatomical nomenclature, C, C is short for cervical, fifth right. and sixth cervical vertebrae. And then when you, when you do that damage over not one year, not two years, not five years, eight years, 10 years, you, start, you, can, you can time stamp an injury. So I can look at somebody's injury, just like cutting a tree and looking at the rings of a tree to see how old it is. I know how long it takes to have that damage. So once you're able to, to, to backtrack the damage, you're able to set up a plan to be able to restore uh, motion to the area, and then you can regenerate the area over time. All right. So you've observed that these, this damage occurs, and then you came up with a solution based on these laws that you uh, were seeking to understand and apply to your observations? Yeah, so the way that I explain it is the more scar tissue you have in your spine, that your spine becomes like hardened clay, right? So what, what let's say chiropractic or adjustment does, it's basically like take, it takes your clay and it dumps it in water. So now that clay can become more moldable. But if you expose your clay to the same molds or the same lifestyle patterns, you're just going to be, you're just going to reinforce the same patterns. That is why you, you, can, you need to couple, let's say, chiropractic care, some therapy, different things that you're doing, and then you need to change your pattern, which, which caused the problem to begin with. And I believe most patterns can be changed at night while you sleep. You can actually improve your posture while you sleep. Yeah, which is exciting because the conventional wisdom on this, even the conventional chiropractic approach, really doesn't uh, address the resolution of this. And I mean, there's some that provide some types of exercises, but nothing that really reverses that curve because 
You can also discuss the, the, the optimal cervical curvature, at least from a lateral perspective, and the loss of that curvature that many people have. And your suggestion is an observation that with these, this, this hybrid of exercise and adjustments that you can get that curvature back and improve the disc height and help resolve the degeneration over time. Because yeah. this degeneration is probably pervasive. Would you say it's in the majority of people over 50? Oh, it's, 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 I, I see children now and it'd be below the age of 10 with phase one arthritic changes in their cervical spine. And uh, it, it takes five to eight years to be able to be visual on an x-ray. And then um, um, just to kind of reiterate that, I want to just explain one thing to them. My personal story in what really, you really made me dive into the sleep industry, but what really made me passionate about sleeping position um, was I herniated my disc five years ago. Which I, disc? Um, I, L5. Okay. And I did it in a mountain biking injury. And when I was on the, um, when I was on the um, bed at the emergency room, hooked up to Dilaudid because I couldn't move, um, I was depressed. I felt like a fraud because I had been dealing with back pain for 15 years. And I had back pain every day of my life, believe it or not, up until I herniated my disc and I was getting adjusted. So what was it about, you know, so I was really at a low place. So I said, you know, I have to figure out why this is. And I, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm a mountain biker. I'm really extreme on my body. So I just chalked it up to me, you know, being extreme and being hard on my body and everything that I did. But what I did is I reviewed 2000 x-rays. And I came up with a pattern. And this pattern doesn't exist in the literature. And I looked. And it is something what I'm so excited to help people figure out. And I believe that this is the way we need to look at back pain moving forward. Is that my back problem didn't come from my lower back. My back problem came from my neck. And then because of forward head posture, I picked up a curve in my lower back due to a muscle in your body, which everybody's heard of of the psoas major. So it basically happens like this. If you lose the cervical spine, see how straight that is? Well, that's, that's not a normal spine. Oh, that's yeah. an abnormal because there's no oh, curve of about 45 here, degrees. Here's the reference. So yeah. this one here is a normal curve. And then that is flattened. Straight, almost straight. So almost zero that's, degrees. That same patient picks up a scoliosis in their lower back. Compensatory compensatory with the psoas major muscle spasm on this left side so what in the old then what's critical and i remember my teachers telling me this in school and and i i, I always wondered why because i know our creator doesn't make mistakes is the only muscle in the human body that attaches directly to a disc is that psoas major muscle so the body innervates that psoas major muscle curving that spine to take pressure off the atlas because of forward head posture. And the atlas is the, fir the first cervical vertebra. Sorry, <laughs> the atlas is the first cervical vertebra. So I had forward head posture. I was sleeping on my back, but I wasn't using the pillow in the right way. And I had forward head posture and I had that lower back rotation due to that psoas compensation due to that psoas major muscle spasm. And yeah. then that is what I'm so how, excited about. So how, how long ago were you in the emergency room with the herniated L5 disc? Five and a half years now. All right. So this is when you started your journey on this understanding and applying it clinically. Yes. So, I, so what I did is I, I, I knew there was a pattern. I knew there was something, but I, I couldn't put my finger on it. Um, so I started looking at cervical curve in, in, in this plane. So... I started look at, looking at the cervical curve in this pl sorry, lateral plane here. Yeah, and the bone on the top is a skull bone, yeah, just so that's, for that's reference. Skull yeah. bone, this is the head. And I looked at the cervical curve here, and then I looked at the A to P, which is the front curve in the lower back. So what happens is as your head comes forward, your nose would be this way. Your body compensates by rotating the pelvis down here due to that psoas major muscle spasm, which attaches to a disc, which weakened my disc, which then allowed it to herniate. All right, so you had this epiphany when you were in the emergency room, and then what happened after that? Well, 
then you came up here and and you and me met and on the way back to the airport you said peter you got to do something remember that you said you got to be you got to do something you got to you know because we were talking about sleep and sleep position and then i re i started um focusing on a design that i was i was working on with the a neck nest and i started to start placing different types of designs underneath my neck to get it back as far well, as I, I think I you're speeding up in the story. You left oh, all right, all right, all right, sorry, sorry, sorry. Parts out there because all right, all right, go ahead. part of it is, yeah, you're just like jumping to the end. Part, right. part of your process was to support the cervical spine while you sleep. And you had a, a really novel way to do that with a down pillow that seemed to work really well and also serve as a uh, ear muffler. So it kind of muted the sound and made it easier to sleep and felt really comfortable because it was like your head is being comforted by someone uh, and it was still supporting your neck. And you, you actually came up with a better version of that, but I still like that down pillow. And then you did that in conjunction with uh, a variety of additional exercises and yeah. regular two, three times a week adjustments of a very precise type of adjustment done by um, what was the what was the technique again? I'm, I'm it, so I like weighted adjusting, right? I like to have your neck adjust in a weighted position. Yeah. I actually had Gonstead. The Gonstead. Gonstead I, that's the name of the technique. So yeah, there's not. I mean, there's a number of chiropractors know how to do it, but it's 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 not extremely popular, and it's difficult to find someone who's well trained in that. Yeah. So then, as your head comes forward, right? So we know that the scar tissue need. So scar tissue needs to be broken up. Basically, your disc is like a grape. As you lose motion, the body says, listen, if you're not going to use the water in that grape, I need the water for the heart. So it pulls the water out of the grape, and now you have a raisin, right? So the, the way that you get degeneration is that the body dehydrates the disc, you lose the space, the disc bulges, and then the body creates these bone spurs around it. Well. When you start adjusting, the body says, holy mackerel, you're going to start using this joint again. So it pulls water back into the joint. So what ends up happening, it's like taking a raisin and dropping it in water. The raisin's going to swell. It's not going to come back to a grape, but you still can get space back. So through the regular chiropractic adjustments, you basically, and here's kind of the issue, sounds counterintuitive, you create an unstable environment. And then the body responds by creating stability. It will rebuild the joint space over a period of time. About six months, you can see a, um, you can see a change, a visible change on the x-ray. Then the next thing is, is because, because your head comes forward, your body loses something that's called proprioception, which is balance and awareness in space. And then the spine starts to, to curve. Uh, let's expand this because your head comes forward. This is uh, pretty common in almost everyone, especially with sitting down, which is one of the worst things you can do all day. Uh, yeah, that sitting posture forces your head forward and that, into forward flexion and causes that chin to jut forward and puts it, this pressure, which wrecks up the spinal curve in the, in the, in the cervical area. And, and uh, the physics of that are quite extraordinary because your head weighs about 15 pounds or so, and then you're, you're putting all this unnecessary stress and that contributes to the arthritic changes that, that develop. It does, and it in, in, incre decreases CSF flow, which is cerebral spinal flow. I mean, there, there are so many complications to the modern day lifestyle, we call it. Texting all day on a phone, being on a computer, and, we're not, and, and it's reinforced by our poor sleeping positions. But as the head comes forward, your body follows where your eyes go. And you lose something that's called proprioception. 80% of all of your awareness in space, right? Your ability, like the ability to close your eyes to know where your hands are. It's called mm -hmm. proprioception. So you're, you lose that proprioceptive sense. And what's very important, which is something that, that is critical to understand, is that you start to lose your balance. And again, I'm going to go back to an anchor. What, what does an infant, or let's say a two-year-old and a 98-year-old have in common? Well, they both have lack of balance. One, one can't walk or one's losing the ability to walk. Well, what is it about those two brains? One is an underdeveloped brain in the cerebellum, 
and one is an atrophied brain in the cerebellum, which is the back part of your brain. The, that part of your brain is called your vermis. So what ends up happening is as you sit for prolonged periods of time, as you get scar tissue and you restrict motion, you restrict this proprioceptive sense into the brain and you atrophy a portion of your brain called your vermis. Now, the function, one of the functions of your vermis is to build the prefrontal cortex, which is all your thoughts, your focus, your executive functioning. So people, I worked with many years for kids with ADD and ADHD, I have it myself. And one of the things that I worked on to be able to focus is to be able to improve my balance. By improving balance, you're actually able to focus, you will forget less and your brain will become more acute. You'll, you'll have a sharper brain. So when, you, when your head starts to come forward and you restrict that proprioceptive sense into the brain, you start to degenerate the, um, the vermis and you start to lose focus. So we find with our patients, when we start to restore that curve and we put them on what's called a wobble board, we can improve that balance. A wobble board is one of those boards that you balance on. It's critically important to being able to restore cognitive functioning and restore functionality in the, in the spine by improving your balance. You always, 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 one of the single most important exercises I believe somebody can do is work on the balance. Yeah, with the wobble board. Yes. Which is a, a good strategy. It's definitely part of your program. And uh, you have another technique where you use two scales as part of your initial uh, evaluation. Uh, and you have the person stand on each one foot on each scale and you find out how their weight is just distributed. Yeah, so remember, you, again, body follows where your eyes go. So if you take your head and you lean it to one side, you're gonna put more weight on one side. If you take the head and you lean it to the other side, you're gonna put more weight on the other side. Now, if you do damage to the neck, cervical spine, or any part of the atlas, and scar tissue holds your head over there, you're gonna to lean to one side. Your body doesn't want your head down here. So it will curve your spine in order to keep your head straight. So it's very important for me, especially in, in analysis of younger individuals or adults to see if their curves are getting worse or if they're stabilized, to put them on two scales, on the floor, equal distance apart, and let's say you're 100 pounds. When you stand one foot on one side and one foot on the other, you should have 50 pounds of weight on one side, 50 pounds of weight on the other side. I see people 20 pounds off, 30 pounds off, 40 pounds off to one side. It, it makes a huge difference in knee pain, and ankle pain, and plantar fasciitis. It's, it's uh, mind-blowing that, uh, that when, I, when I see that imbalance. I can look at people now and see that imbalance. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Which I believe is what I did with you. Yeah, well, and I don't remember the the analysis results from that because it was a number of years ago now. But, but it's a useful tool, useful strategy. So, why don't you review the helpful recommendations that you can give uh, to people to help address this without necessarily even having a comprehensive evaluation? Because there are some, some simple strategies that are somewhat controversial with respect to sleeping position that seem to be universally helpful uh, because you're recommending people sleep on their back for a variety of reasons and that makes sense. In fact, you did a video that we posted on the site before. Uh, and uh, one of the cautions that uh, I add to that is that when people sleep on their back, there's a tendency for their airway to become structured, obstructed because they're tongue has a tendency to fall back and block their airway. So one of the, so they'll breathe through their mouth or their snore. And one of the ways you can prevent this is simply by putting paper tape over your, your mouth. And uh, that eliminates the snoring and, and, and forces you to breathe through your nose, which is uh, something that I do pretty much every night. I mean, I refuse, it's very rare where I forget to put paper tape over my lips before I go to sleep because I always sleep on my back. So why don't you review the logic and the rationale for sleeping on your back and with support of the cervical spine. Yeah, which is, which is critically important. We call it the neutral sleeping position. Another way that you can do that also too, Joe, is I have some people put blankets up close to their, up close to their chin um, so their um, so jaw, jaw stays closed. Yeah, but the bl the blankets may come move. down. It's going to and the blankets, you know, typically unless you've got the air conditioner on full blast, is you know, it one of the 
the simple and universal, nearly nearly universal recommendations for optimizing your sleep is to sleep in a cold environment, right. and having blankets is not going to optimize that. And then, um, yeah, and then so so first off, when I looked at the um, when you look at sleeping position, right, you, your sleeping position, if you can stay in. Remember, I broke my collarbone, mm -hmm. and um, you sent me up a a unit to put on there. And there were, the, there were these two rings. And you said, you're going to have to tape them to yourself so they stay on. Yeah, well, that, I, was a, that was a PEMF device. And I, that, I think it worked pretty well for you. It did work. Don't believe I was, I was on my mountain bike in uh, three weeks and four yeah, days. Yeah, that was Bob Dennis's uh, Alpha, M1 Alpha, I think is what he calls it. But I've done an interview with Bob Dennis. It's great. And then, but I, can, I put those on my chest and I woke up in the morning and they were still on my chest without any tape. I don't toss and turn all night long. Yeah, that's the beautiful strategy of this, is that you wake up in the same way that you went to sleep, typically. And you can only do that beginning with the end in mind. You can't do it lying on your side because, you see, your body works in, in this way. If, if you have pain, you're going to toss. If you have pain, you're going to toss. If you have pain, you're going to toss. And you'll toss and turn all night long. So what I tell my patients is I say, all right, you have to fall asleep with the end in mind. If you want better sleep, more restful sleep, wake up well rested and in no pain, you have to begin the end, you have to begin with the end in mind. So if I tell them to go to sleep, I mean, lie on the couch and watch TV. So lie on the couch like you fall asleep and tell me how long you can stay in that position for. And the answer is like 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and you have to move out of that position because your body needs to be your body weight needs to be distributed over the greatest surface area and that's not on your side and that's not what your arm up that's not what your arm tucked in here you give me a side sleep i'm going to give you a shoulder problem you give me a side sleep i'm going to give you a hip problem because you're 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 starting this you're starting twisted and i don't care how much support you have i don't care how much your hips fall into the bed and and, and we are creating these beds to, to, um, so, to put us in these horrible positions, and it's making our spine so much worse. We want to be able to reverse the damaging effect of our modern-day lifestyle. If we're going to be on a computer all day with forward head posture, and then we're going to be texting all day, we have to do that at some point in time. And so what I suggest- to compensate for the, the, what you're doing in the daytime. Yes, to compensate for that. And I accept, suggest, unfortunately, falling asleep like you look like you're, <laughs> like you're in a coffin maybe. So you fall asleep on your back. And when you fall asleep on your back, you're naturally gonna have an arch in your lower back. So you do not have to support that. But your neck, you wanna put a support under your neck so you can arch that neck back. So 80% of my patients that come in my office, this is the way that the cervical spine is supposed to be. 80% of them are either here or here, forward head posture. The only way to bring the head back is to stretch it back. And you do that at night using, a pillow should be for your bed. It shouldn't even be, it, the definition for a pillow is a support for your head. Just get, the, get pillows off of your bed and um, use a soft support and we'll, we'll we'll talk about we can do that with down we can do it with something that we came up with but a soft support soft not hard not firm because you're only supporting three inches from your bed to the base of your neck you're not you don't you don't want this big thing that puts your head into this position that you're trying to prevent all day long you'll never be able to stay that way so you put something under your neck you arch that neck back, you keep your arms down by your side, and then you lie in that flat position. You would be able to watch TV in that position if the TV is on your ceiling for yeah. hours. Yeah, and the key is your chin is like pointing up at the ceiling. Yeah, your eyes are looking straight up. Yeah, so that you'll know when you're in the right position. If it's not and you're looking forward and you can watch TV, that's not a good, you're not in the right position. Yeah, no, that means you're like this, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So initially you came up with the down pillow therapy and it was one that I used for quite a while. 
seem to be one I actually like quite a bit, and sometimes I resort to. But norm, but you developed a new pillow that seems to be superior, and it took me a while to adjust to it. I didn't like it initially, but it, it does support the cervical spine and uh, helps reduce optimize that curve and bring it back to the normal forty five degrees. And when done in conjunction with some of these other strategies, right? Yeah. So what ends up happening, right, is what you do is you take something, you put it under your neck like this, and you arch yourself back. So you're lightly supporting the head, but you're supporting the neck more. And, and that doesn't sound so comfortable because I'm sitting back here, but it's very, very comfortable when you start supporting your neck. Now, we talk about this, because the number one thing that people say, and the number one objective is, I can't sleep on my back. I can't do it. You know, and that's going to be very true. You're never going to be able to stay. No, I shouldn't say never. It most likely you're not going to be able to start on your back and wake up on your back. I tell people start one to two hours a night like that and then forget about what happens for the rest of the night. So the lifestyle habit is this. You put a, you put a, a, a pillow underneath your neck. Make sure it's the right pillow. You put a pillow underneath your neck and you start like that, and you fall asleep like that, whether it's 45 minutes, an hour, two hours, just start with whatever you can do. And you do that every single night, because one night it might be an hour, the second night might be an hour and 10 minutes, but eventually you get to three hours, and that's three hours of your neck in traction. And then you're gonna get a little stiff, but your neck is stretching back. You have to understand that the, 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 the structure, when your structure of your spine is, is changing, it's not always a very comfortable thing to happen. So, mm -hmm. so when, you, when you start to adopt a back sleeping position, don't get frustrated saying, oh, I only did it for 15 minutes last night. I couldn't fall asleep like that. We have so many different techniques to be able to help you fall asleep on your back and stay on your back for at least an hour or two a night at the beginning. So when you put the demonstrated the pillow under behind your neck, uh, there's like two components of the pillow. One is the, the circular roll on the top and the other is the base. Do you additionally push, compress the base so that it's also behind your neck and you're not, your, your, the, your occiput isn't on the base, it's, it, it, rather it's on the, the top of the cervical spine? Yeah, so when somebody first purchases the neck nest, the neck nest comes with down, right? So down is a, um, it's a, it's a fill that needs to be broken in. Mm -hmm. So the way that somebody uses a neck nest at the beginning is not the same as you use it moving forward. So it's a little, little complicated, but yes, at the beginning, you just put the neck nest under there and you just lie your occiput on the back of mm -hmm. the, of the, of the neck nest because that way you're not getting a significant amount of support and it's going to be more comfortable for people starting out. Then as you get more used to that, you are absolutely correct. You take it and then you tuck it in and you let the occiput or the back of the head hang over the pillow a little bit more. Yeah, I do that starting out pretty much every night, but I notice that as the night progresses, the movement or something, it just it doesn't wind up there and I have to readjust it when I wake up. Yeah, and that, that will be normal. Because a lot of times in the middle of the night, you're turning your head back and forth and you don't realize it. And, and, and uh, uh, the, the problem with the foam pillow is just it will keep the same shape and it'll put too many pressure points there. But a down pillow will adapt to that. And all you have to do is simply just reposition it in the middle yeah. of the night. Yeah, so that's a good point. So why don't you compete? There are a lot of cervical support pillows in the market. So what makes yours so different? So they, they, they're, a lot of them are foam, right? A lot of them are hard, hard substances and they, they support your head too much. So I, we, we're talking about, you, you, we started this conversation saying the head is, your head's 15 pounds. Mm -hmm. So if, if your head's 15 pounds, you want to use that as, as, a, as a weight and use the pillow as a fulcrum to be able to allow you to be able to get that neck support in that, uh, in that actual change in the cervical curve. You can just support the cervical curve and then support the head at the same time. You wanna use the head as a weight to be able to create some, some pressure and, and force against that neck. Um, remember I, I did in that article I did for you, I said when I originally came up with this idea, it was from that movie 
Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Mm -hmm. And when they came out of the room in the 1500s, they had a block of wood for their pillow. Well, it wasn't for the pillow. It was a support for their neck because they understood back then that the, cer the, the cervical mechanics, or I mean the spinal biomechanics in maintaining a healthy spine is critically important in maintaining overall health and well-being. Yeah, well, that's great. So how long have you had the pillow out now for? It's been over a year? It's, it's been a year and, and uh, two months. Yeah, so you, and you've developed, a, a, I think, a support forum for it, and I've had a lot of people using it now. And what's, what's the feedback been? Yeah, we have, uh, we have over 4,000 people now using a neck nest in a, in a short period of time. And then we also have a sleep quest. So what happens is when somebody purchases a neck nest, they get invited into our online sleep community because our mission is to create a ha the happiest, healthiest, most well-rested tribe of people on planet Earth because we understand if you're not well-rested, you can't focus and yes. we're a community. Sleep is one of the most essential elements for optimizing your health. There's no question. And many people place it as the most important strategy. Yeah, we were just on Fox News last night talking about the importance of sleep in your immune system. If mm -hmm. you don't get good sleep, you, it's really the thing that you have to work on first, right? Mm -hmm. It's sleep, it's hydration, and then everything else is, um, you know, is good underneath that. But um, uh, yeah, so we have that online community where, where we're a group that we focus on sleep. I believe that you need to, instead of like just putting sleep in like it's just an afterthought, you need to structure your life around sleep instead of structure sleep around your life, right? So mm -hmm. people will sacrifice sleep all the time for exercise. And they'll, I'll say, what do you think is more important, sleep or exercise? And they'll say, oh, exercise. I'm like, all right, I want you to go five weeks without exercise and five weeks without sleep and tell me what's more important or even five days. Yeah. They'd sleep. be dead in five weeks. You'd, yeah, know you'd yeah. be dead in probably <laughs> less than two weeks. You'd be dead. And then the thing is, 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 is the more sleep, the more your metabolism speeds up, the more sleep you need. That's mm -hmm. another thing. What does an infant and an, and an elderly person have in common? Well, I mean, not have in common. Who needs more sleep, an infant or an, or, or, or an elderly person? An infant. Why? Because their metabolism is faster. They're requiring more repair and thrive. If you want to degenerate your body overall health, then all you have to do is get less sleep. Mm -hmm. And I like using heart rate variability because there are, there are a lot of um, these, like, these, these little like pulse profiles, um, aura ring, use heart rate variability to determine how much sleep you need. Um, that's another thing that we've been, we've been kind of diving into because everybody's like, Doc, how much sleep do I need? Well, it also goes along with what your quality of sleep is, but let's put all things the same. I mean, all things aside. It's how well your body's functioning in the inside. And I believe heart rate variability is a good, simple tool mm -hmm. that you can use to determine um, how much sleep that you need. Try to be careful on the device you're using and make sure it has infrared or near infrared, not green light to measure your pulse. And also isn't emitting any uh, wireless radiation as many devices do like the Apple Watch. Uh, although it does have the option to turn it in airplane mode, but you just clearly do not want wireless signal on your body while you're sleeping that's just prescription for metabolic havoc so all right um all right so you're getting good results with the pillow um and you're seeing what are you seeing with the the changes in the cervical spine but based on the uh, an analysis of follow-up x-rays yeah so we're seeing uh let me see here uh yeah here's one right here that's a um that's an actual patient you can see uh oh actually no that's not actual i don't have the actual patient oh i don't have one but the um so what we're doing is we're taking with now because the neck nest has been out for over a year i was i took a bunch of x-rays on patients when they first started and then i have six month follow-up x-rays a year follow-up x-rays we're getting um, so much uh, improvement in the change of their cervical spine by using a neck nest. They're sleeping better. They're sleeping deeper. Um, I have um, people that are uh, um, that are monitoring their sleep. Their sleep scores are getting better, and their sleep scores are getting better because they're getting more restful sleep. The reason we toss and turn in the middle of the night is because our body typically is uncomfortable or our airways shut down. 
and you'll toss and turn all night long getting a restless sleep. So to get a more restful sleep, you, put, you start with the end in mind, you put your body in a neutral sleeping position, you support the cervical curve in the neck, you lie flat. Actually, I, I do like um, elevated sleeping. I like sleeping at about five to eight degrees mm -hmm. um, and then uh, picking up the angle slightly in your legs. Um, that way you can, um, you can stay in one position. What's the purpose of putting the uh, angle up a bit in your legs? It's only, only so I don't slide down the bed if I, uh, if I sleep up. So my feet don't, sometimes I slide down the bed a little bit. Yeah. Um, All you have to do is put some Velcro on. <laughs> yeah. You're, you know, you're right. Stick myself to the bed. Um, yeah. and I don't, I don't, um, I like to, I, I'm kind of weird like this. I believe your body gets used to what you do on a regular basis. So if you sleep elevated, you actually short so ass a little bit. So I don't want the body to get used to it. So I drop myself flat every couple of nights. Really? Okay. Yeah. I sleep at five degrees. So I, I think I, I love it. But you know, when you, when you think about it, just like sitting down, you're so ask me. No, my as, entire bed is at five degrees. It's not the front. Oh, then that's that's very different. Yeah. So I, I, I'm sleeping at slightly. No, no, no. I have the entire bed at five degrees. It's a lot different. So. Yeah, much different. Yep. Yeah. Um, so what what talk about the integration also of the cervical traction units that you can use that you can put over the the door and you're just putting regular because that's that's something that I've been doing for a few years now and seems to have a powerful synergy with the the nighttime. Uh, passive traction. It does. And Joe, you are, um, you are one of the most dedicated people to a, a dedicated to things that you believe in. And most people are not like that. Right. So, I mean, just think about it. you've been doing cervical traction for such a long time, which is ultimately what you have to do in order to be able to get that benefit. But uh, so it, it's almost like the jelly donut analogy. If you take a donut and you squeeze it, the material blows out, right? The, the jelly donut will come out. If you pull it apart, it will pull jelly donut material back inside by creating a negative pressure in, in, in the disc. So what ends up happening when you distract because of the weight of our heads on our body, but our bodies are designed to do that. But if you have degeneration and your major focus is to rehydrate the disc, your body will, body has, um, the, the body will only rehydrate the disc based on a certain um, uh, tension thresholds. And when you pull the, the cervical spine apart or putting, pulling your neck up like this, you can actually um, cross that barrier and get more hydration to the disc by doing that. Yeah. So do you find that the combination is better than just doing the passive cervical traction at night? Um, I do. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and then the other thing is that seems to be widely recommended in Gonset practitioners is this weighted uh, headband that you wear to, to that's put on the opposite side of the short of the short. So if you yeah, if you lean your head this way, you actually put it on that side, on side. so you stimulate yeah. the muscles on the opposite side. Right. So that's not, that's something I've been doing for a few years too, and usually do exercises. Um, with that helmet on, which was recommended by a, uh, another chiropractor friend who actually just passed away recently, uh, uh, but was really good at the extremities. So, um, so anyway, the combination seems. I'm looking looking forward to seeing what the improvement has been in my my, my uh, cervical spine. It's the the interim X-rays I've done were about maybe six eight months ago, and they showed pretty significant improvement. I just it's important to note that I was never symptomatic. I had no cervical neck pain at all. I had no neuropathies, no nerve tingling or pain. But the key to this is that you absolutely a hundred percent want to address this at an early stage. The earlier stage you address it before you have symptoms, the more likely you are to resolve it at a deep fundamental level. And, and quite truthfully, in my case, it was probably years later than I would have ideally liked to address it. If I had known about it, I would have certainly have done something, but I didn't know about it. And you wisely pointed it out to me just by physical observation. And when they teach you in, when you, in, in medical school, when you're how to do a physical examination, the first part of that is observation. You know, your clinical observation of the patient of just paying very careful attention is something that it's a skill that's not as widely adopted or used now. And 
there's a tendency more to rely on technology to do the evaluation rather than just using your own intuition and clinical judgment. And then, of course, you know, most physicians don't really understand or appreciate biomechanics, so they, you know, they wouldn't understand that. Yeah, and that was one of the things I remember vividly. I said, because uh, you, I was eating uh, uh, cashews. And you said to me, oh, yeah. you're like, what are you doing getting all jacked up on leptins or lectins? Lectins. Lectins. And I'm like, lectins. what are you talking about? I had no. And, and now I, it's, I, and, and I didn't realize at the time, but it was also oxalates too. Yeah, I said, but lectins I, at the time no. was my, my passion. You were calling it leptins. And leptin does exist, but it's not a lectin. Yeah, that's right. It's a lectin. And, and you hammered me on them. I'm like, all right, Joe, you want to? All right. So let me tell you a little bit of something about you. And you're like, oh, what do I need to be adjusted? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, no, your head comes forward, the compensation, blah, 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 blah. You're like, how do you know that? And then, you, you know, you, you took up your shoe. And then, uh, but we, uh, we, it, your body, it, it, you can, you can look at somebody and it drives me crazy. Like when I'm watching a football game and the guys are like, I'm Oakley from Oklahoma State and I'm all and their heads are all jacked up. I know what their spines look like because you can tell by the way somebody holds their head with the, how everything compensates. And yeah. uh, it's just, it's so beautiful how everything's connected. And once you have that understanding there, and you can make a simple change at night, you can, you can help so much of your chronic pain like I had for my entire life. I have no back pain ever anymore. And I yeah. used to have it almost every day of my life. That is great. It's a great testimony. And, you know, previously I was early in my career, I was pretty strongly opposed to the use of uh, diagnostic x-rays. Um, and maybe rightfully so back then, it was in the 80s. I think that preceded the ad, uh, advent of the deployment of digital x-rays, which we have now, which reduced the amount of ionizing radiation significantly, I think upwards of 90%. Uh, not all uh, x-rays are digital, but most of the newer equipment seems to be. And if you're going to get a diagnostic x-ray from a chiropractor or really anyone else, ideally you would like to have it to be digital to, to lower that ionizing radiation. Now, admittedly, a chest x-ray isn't an enormous amount, it's some, but the lower exposure you have, the better. The real danger is a CAT scan, which is, I mean, they should have like poison skull warnings on that and warn the patients. I mean, they, I mean, you, if you know the danger, you can prepare for it because there are certain things you can do metabolically, like just not eat for three days before, increase going to nutritional ketosis, take ketone esters, molecular hydrogen. There's a lot of things you can do to remediate the oxidative stress as a result of exposure ionizing radiation and not damage your DNA profoundly and increase your risk of cancer. But it is a, it's a serious issue and it's actually non-controversial. Like, I mean, there's many people who dispute the, the dangers of cell phone and Wi-Fi, but like, there's no one that's disputing that x-rays can cause cancer. It's a, that's a well-established fact. So just be careful when you're getting your x-rays done. Ideally, it should be digital. Yeah, absolutely. Digital what you do in your office, which I was pleased with. So. Right. And that was the only way you would have taken an x-ray, I remember. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I've got to be careful. You know, you only have one set of DNA. So. I said, Joe, we need to take an x-ray. You're like, no, I'm not taking an x-ray. like, well, <laughs> come on. You're not going to come all the way here and then tie my hands. It was great. I, I just so much. Oh, that's, I forgot. I was really resistant in your office. <laughs> you were, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But the, the fact that it was digital is that, that definitely helped the transition. And now I'm actually, you know, I seek to get it a few times a year just to see an assessment because I'm really curious to see what all this intervention is doing to my cervical spine. And now all you need is a spot shot. You don't need all the x-rays taken again. Yeah, you yeah. Just look at some specific things. Yeah, so it's been good. And I really am grateful for, you know, taking the time to point out my anomaly and, you know, encouraging me to come and visit in your office and, um, and then prescribe. The problem is that uh, the comprehensive program, I mean, the pillow can help. There's no question. Actually, that's a good question because at the time you didn't have the pillow and the strong endorsement and recommendation was to find a local Gonstead practitioner to get these uh, biweekly adjustments, and which I committed to. Initially, it was three times a week and then twice a week and then once a week. Uh, and uh, So let me, let me just kind of reiterate that, Joe. Yeah. It's the, the, it, it's not the Gonstead adjustment. I think, I believe Gonstead is important because they're going to be less likely to rotate your C5 and C6. Mm -hmm. here's, here, here, so there's, some, there's a difference between manipulation and adjustment. 
right? Yeah, manipulation is actually what uh, osteopathic physicians call it. And, and, and chiropractors, chiropractors, chiropractors do it too. It's long axis rotation, right? So mm-hmm. you, you'll, if you Google chiropractic and you go on YouTube, you're going to see it. It's being able to just rotate the cervical spines around and get, right, get a yeah. whole bunch of movement. And, and so, there's non-specific techniques, so you can yeah. easily do that. You could p- probably teach most people to do this, right? Yeah. Easily. You, you see people do it all the time, right? Yeah. They, they rotate their heads around. When you get your cervical spine, especially C5, C6, C7, where majority of the problem is going to be, you, when somebody gets adjusted, your nose, you don't want it over here. You want your nose midline, so there's no rotation that's done. You can do that when somebody's lying on their back. It's just, it, it's a, it, you have to be lower. You know, your arm has to go through the joint plane line. So, I'm not, I mean, I believe that Gonsta is, is a good technique. I believe that, um, that you'll be le- you're less likely to use rotation sitting in a chair, getting your neck adjusted. But you can do it while you're lying on your back. It just takes a little bit more effort. So that's, that's interesting. Um, yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. So uh, anyway, I guess the central question is um, in your clinical experience now, which is becoming uh, increasingly impressive, do you feel it's necessary I, in most cases to do both, to combine the adjustments, or do you think the passive cervical traction at night is sufficient to restore the normal uh, cervical spine? That's great. So just as the disc will only hydrate so much with water, it will hydrate more once you restore motion. It will hydrate even more once you distract. So the more that you do, the better it's going to get. Okay. And so, I guess it might depend on how the level of your, your degeneration to begin with. Right. So all of it together is good. What the adjustment can do and what's critical is it can take your clay, which is just fine, hardened clay, and it can dump it in water. And then when you take that spine and now it becomes more moldable, you're going to be, it, you're going to get the most amount of distraction and you're going to get the most amount of improvement when you get the adjustment. You can do it without the adjustment, it just won't get as much improvement. And you won't get improvement in the disc space. You'll get improvement in the curve, but you won't open up the space. You need to restore the motion in, intersegmentally. Okay, that's great. Wow. So anything else you'd like to add? No, I just, um, I mean, I'm pumped for the opportunity to be able to get this information out. We've been talking about it for such a long time, and um, I think it, it's great. And then we can do one, only one on sleep that, you know, how to get to sleep, how to stay asleep, how to wake up well rested, what foods to stay away from, what foods to eat. You know, that's, that's everything I put into that, that program. I mean, I think just how to maximize, you know, this is sleep and structure, but how, yeah. you know, you can't think yourself to sleep. You got to remember yourself to sleep. And, so you want uh, me to get, share my two important points for it? Yeah, yeah, good. I like it. Yeah. Two most important points. One is you don't eat for at least three hours before you go to bed. Absolutely. Yeah. And frequently in my case, I'm stopping eating typically about 1.30, maybe two. I go to sleep at nine so, or even before that. But, and that's so good. So why nine o'clock? Seven hours. What's, what's, important, what's important about nine o'clock? Do you know? Well, it's optimizing your circadian rhythm. So, yes. you know, and, and, and you know, that about the only thing I score a hundred percent on almost every <laughs> night is, is circadian rhythm or, 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 no, it's called that uh, sleep timing, sleep timing. That's what it is. But ultimately it's the circadian rhythm. So, I mean, I'm, that's very, except when I'm traveling, I'm in a skipping time zones or something, then it's messed up, but uh, I'm always spot on with that one. So that's one component. Uh, you really want to be, ideally fast you don't want to be digesting food when you're going to sleep and the second that i think is really really now that's easy to do for most people uh the second that's i I find extremely valuable was a derivative of uh meditation that uh, i was studying it was uh, done by emily fletcher called ziva meditation and I, i found it curious that the meditation was was had to be done sitting up and the reason for that is if you did the meditation laying down, you would fall asleep. I said, hmm. So what, the meditation is pretty simple. It's, it's very similar to transcendental meditation. It's simply saying a mantra over and over. And what that does is distract your mind. And usually it's this mind, monkey mind that keeps you going, that keeps you awake. You know, it's just, you're just thinking about things all that happened all day long. But if you can say that mantra in your mind, just focus on the mantra, usually you sleep in a few minutes. I mean, it's pretty amazing. It's, it's 
in my view, it's more potent than a lot of sleep, the sleeping pills. And a sleep pill, even over-the-counter ones like diphenhydramate or Benadryl, are really dangerous because, yeah, they may put you to sleep and make you uh, tired, but what they won't do or what they will do is, and they don't tell you, is that they pretty much destroy your phase three and phase four sleep. So you don't get any REM or deep sleep. And you'll you stay in one position longer because you won't feel the pain from your pain center and your sleep center are right here. So it dulls your, your pain center and you stay in one position, you wake up stiffer. Yeah, so there you just really, there's almost virtually no time you ever want to consider using those. And if you're on them now, you really need to get see some professional help to get off of those because you know these benzodiazepines can be really addicting and be a real challenge to to wean off so you have to typically do it with a professional so um yeah those are my two points and i think that that solves a lot of the problem i mean there's a lot of other things you can do like cbd and magnesium and glycine uh well know. one of the things that you could that i have my patients do and i do with meditation is I like to, when, right when I'm meditating, I put lavender on my nose mm -hmm. and I can connect myself to that scent when I meditate. So sub, I'm training the subconscious brain to connect relaxation yeah, yeah. to the scent of lavender. So I've uh, used that too. Yeah, and that lavender by itself is a lot of people's, and many people's sleep protocols. So oh, Joe, deep. this is great. This is great. Yeah, yeah. So uh, sleep's important. And, uh, you know, ideally it's nice to have some safe, objective, uh, biometric a a assessment of how you're sleeping, although I wouldn't diminish the value of subjective assessments. So how you feel when you wake up is a pretty good indication and in many cases would trump the results of what your device tells you because the device can be wrong. There's a lot of reasons why the readings could be disrupted and not reflective of reality. So I would learn to trust your body's wisdom and it can help guide you, but I wouldn't look at is it the ultimate arbiter of truth that's for sure all right so people want to find out about this uh pillow how do they do that what they can do they can go to necknest.com necknest necknest n-e-c-k-n-e-s-t.com backslash mercola and there what i'll do joe is i'll put some of the stuff that we'll record special videos of stuff that we talked about here. Okay. Um, you know, some of the pictures of the, the before and afters that we talked about, and then um, I'll give some extra sleep tips just to be able to help. Perfect. All right. Well, it's a good thing. Thank you for all the work you're doing and uh, helping pr me prevent cervical degeneration progression. And I'm sure actually it might be interesting for you to comment because you've seen people in late stages of what I had and uh, and what is the, you know, so if, if I hadn't done anything and just continued going obliviously forward with my existing habits, what would have happened to me clinically? So every six months to eight months, if you take x-rays, mm -hmm. joint space will go like this. You'll see progressive degenerative changes. And we put it together all time lapse. You'll see you losing space. When we, when you got your follow-up x-rays, you started to regain space. So you can't degenerate and regenerate at the same time. You're either going one way or going the other way. Mm -hmm. And if you stopped going this way and you went back this way, you saved your cervical spine. You, yeah, but, you, but what, 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 what would have been the outcome had I not? It will fuse. It'll fuse. And then what's, what happened? What's the result of fusion? Lack, lack of motion, nerve compression, atrophy of the central nervous system. And then ultimately, as you know, each nerve goes somewhere. So, you know, that nerve goes to your thyroid gland, throat, you take your fingers, start tingling, you lose weakness in your arm, um, um, pencils start falling out of your hands, things like that. So uh, when I'm sure you've seen patients in that condition, uh, what are the options when they're that severe? I mean, is it just surgery? Because I mean, uh, there's really these, all these interventions we discussed probably don't work too well when you have bone to bone fusion. They do not. Yeah. yeah. This is, we're talking about hope prevention. <laughs> we want to, like we talked about before, we want to prevent this from happening. You have to understand this is a. But what, what does someone do in that case? I mean, do you have to go to an orthopedic surgeon and do they, they do a surgery or what? Yeah, um, I mean, they, it's pain, pain therapy at that point. You are, you know, 
um, you you have to massage the tissue. It, Joe, that's not my expertise to to work okay. in, on that end of it. Yeah, it's, it's it's bad. It's bad news. It's bad, a lot of work, a lot of effort, and not a lot of hope for radical improvement. There's certainly resolution, virtually no hope for resolution of the problem at the fundamental level. Yeah, no. What if you can't move the segment, you can't get motion, then the body has already fused the area. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, and it's too late. So we, you know, that's the key, and that's where I was so excited to get you on to to let people know that this problem exists. I mean, I had it, and most likely, or for there's a good chance you have it unless you're seeing some enlightened chiropractor who's really uh, got you on a program to, to, to adjust, address this directly. And, you know, my passion really is prevention and it's just such a wiser, more effective strategy than trying to treat something after it's after the fact, you know, there's no question. So thank you for developing this, for offering it and uh, making it available so people don't have to progress into a cervical fusion with all those complications. Yeah, thanks, Joe. And you know what I'll do, just kind of thinking, everybody that goes to uh, necknest.com, and especially if they kind of look at and they're interested, I'll, um, I'll invite them into our online sleep community. All right, perfect. All right, well, thanks, appreciate that. And uh, thanks again. All right.